0: Hey, everybody, that's Paul Wobblington with the Everyone Gets a Trophy podcast. I want to remind you about our amazing sponsor who's been with us from the very beginning. That's Gabe Winslow and his excellent mortgage team. We have had dozens, nay, scores of listeners who have taken advantage of Gabe's excellent service to purchase an existing home or to refi their home. All you got to do is call Gabe at 832-557-1095 or go to mortgagesbygabe.com. He'll shoot you straight and get you a great rate. I
1: don't know. All I know is we threw four interceptions and fumbled once. One interception, they returned for a touchdown. Three others were in our end of the field where they scored a point. That's all I know. That's inexcusable. Inexcusable. Uh, t- playoffs? Don't talk about it. Playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. Another game. Welcome back, EGAT. I say welcome back. We were just here. Two days in a row, Paul. We're doing it for the people.
0: Doing it for the customer. Doing it for the audience. Doing it for the listener. It's all about y'all.
1: It is. Uh, You know, I didn't bring my reading glasses, though. And I've gotten to a point now where I'm so used to those that this is like the first time. Because I have two pair and and I've been running around. And I don't have them, so... I'm just kind of thinking about the show afterwards and all that. I'm gonna have a migraine tonight again.
0: Again? Yeah, that's because your girlfriend's gonna to want to do her, do the duties, and you're gonna be like, I have a migraine.
1: We haven't talked about our feelings in a
0: while.
1: Well, no, because I mean, because well, you, you, I think you also use readers, and you know that that you get to that point where you don't realize it, like most things in life. But your vision, reading vision, has really gone down. I've got 2015 far away, but reading, I was getting these headaches and I go in to different doctors, dentists and everything, and it ended up being, well, no, you you like, you know, you really need glasses. And I thought, oh man, I was kind of fighting it.
0: I I fought it. I was getting squinty like Garrett Gilbert. Yes, me too. And I was such an old and that I was grabbing menus at restaurants and being like, this is outrageous. They write in these tiny fonts. And the people with me are like, it's a 16-point uh, aerial. It's, I can read it from across the room. Right. And I'm like, okay, it's time. <laughs> so, yeah, I broke down. I hit the uh, drugstore. I browsed through the little rack and picked out my readers. It's, it's, it's a sad day. It's a real concession to age.
1: It is, but it's something you have to adjust to, and it's been nice not having headaches. So we'll see how this goes here. We want to talk a little portal and also NFL playoffs portal has just been heating up and we had two teams left and we've got, I think nine guys combined from both Georgia and Alabama, but a lot of Alabama guys. And with the connection to the UT staff, it gets all of us thinking. I mean, I saw, I saw Tommy bra was in the portal, a tackle from Alabama. And I thought, Oh my God, it's that quick. Yeah. You're
0: like, it's, it's time.
1: It's time. I thought it may be, I'm predicting a year later, but it may be time. But it was Tommy Brown, who's a four-star, and he was signed at Alabama. So, with as bad as the Texas line was, you look at him. And with Flood's connection, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, you definitely kick the tires. I mean, Flood will have an insight on the guy, that's for sure.
1: You would think so. Uh, It was not Tommy Brockermeyer, but there were multiple Alabama guys, including a pretty good tight end. They they obviously have tons of talent and a five-star outside linebacker, I think, Drew Sanders. So with Texas connections there, I mean, we've talked about it. They they need to be very active in the portal, and we think that offensive line is something that needs to be part of that.
0: No doubt, uh, and certainly on the other side, the edge. <clears throat> so we're going to talk a little bit about that. You know, I, I had a feeling that while the Alabama-Georgia game was clicking down its final moments, and Georgia fans are poised to celebrate and Alabama fans sort of You know, what fan base is better prepared to handle losing in a national title game than a Bama fan, right? Right. They sort of shrug, and they're like, oh, okay. Well, we'll be back, and I guess I'll just have to be satisfied with we win it every other year. So, yeah, ho-hum.
1: I thought Texas baseball teams like that during Augie's good run or even Gus, Gus in 89, we had no business being in the championship game. I mean, it it was – uh, the house is money, and you just kind of see what you can do. Now, you think about the times that you had that team that should have won it and didn't, and you try and get those back.
0: Absolutely. Well, I'm thinking from a portal perspective, you've got players on both sidelines who have their tweets written out and ready, and they're just waiting for the clock to tick down so they can hit send. Right. Um, you know, Thank you, Alabama fans. Thank you, Georgia fans. I enjoyed my time at fill-in-the-blank, and now I'm going to go take my talents to whatever. And, yeah, you immediately had all these guys hit the portal. And to Kevin's point, one of them, Drew Sanders, former five-star, a state-of-Texas athlete who went to Alabama. And he's a really good player. And people say, oh, if he's so good, why didn't he start? Well, if you watch Alabama Alabama play— They've got a couple of dudes on their edge. Yeah, and if you're uh, backing up, that,
1: if you're backing up Will Anderson, that's not the end of the world.
0: Well, and the guy on the other side, because Will Anderson got some attention from Georgia, Dallas Turner, he reminded everyone why he was, a, in many people's mind, the number one recruit in the country. He's an outstanding guy from Florida. He was number fifteen in that game, and every bit as disruptive as as uh, as Mister Will. So. Drew Sanders is looking for playing time. He's looking to get back closer to home. So I've got some information from inside Texas, which is great. If you guys aren't subscribers, I think you should be. Uh, Jerry Hamilton says that Sanders is going to visit OU, Arkansas, and Texas. Nice. And he's going to do each of them starting, I think, uh, gosh, I think he might be starting as early as this week. And uh, he's just going to go see each campus succession. Uh oh, wow. So he's visiting Arkansas today, Oklahoma Thursday and Texas Friday. There you go.
1: Oh, man. Let's do it. And then speed dating.:
0: Yeah, no doubt. Absolutely speed dating. Then Oshwan Mathis.: Yeah. TCU
1: Edge, uh, about
0: ,65, 255, 260. Solid edge player for TCU. Really good uh, the year before last, in 2020. Fell off a little bit last year. And I'm trying to find out why that was. Uh, it does lend some credence to the fact that he's interested in Texas, that Gary Patterson will be joining the staff in a role hmm. yet to be named. We're not hundred percent on that, but I think there's a lot of uh, smoke around that fire.
1: And yeah, Mathis a couple years ago, like you said, was really damn good. And he was one of those guys that, that we would have loved to have. And you look and go, man, how they develop him? How they've u- utilized him. And with Patterson coming, that's big. Another name, a guy I think who was visiting yesterday is Mario Williams, who was the four-star composite, I think, but five-star in one of the rankings. Really twitchy guy out of Florida, who's also apparently a pretty good baseball player and is looking yeah, at I that. Yeah, I know
0: about that. And I'm, any guy who can run and has football-level speed and athleticism is a freaking flash in, in baseball, right?
1: They are. And, and also, just to give baseball some love, with the space cadets and ball awareness we've seen the last couple of years, something your son, who's played enough ball now, would laugh at with fly balls, it'd be kind of nice to have a guy, you know, in that role, whether it's special teams or certainly receiver, that has those natural baseball ball awareness skills.
0: That's true. Yeah, the ability to track a ball is, is – yeah. The ability to track a ball is not to be underestimated right Uh, and we take it for granted and at every level you see guys separate themselves by their ability to do that right whether it's Jamar Chase or um you know even guys winning big jump balls at the high school level so yeah Mario Williams was was a freshman for OU last year is that correct and he was certainly in the rotation He, he played um I don't You know, he wasn't a star. He was kind of a role player, uh, kind of an underneath guy. But I don't know if he ever fully got integrated into the offense. And, you know, he had some other people he's competing with. But I think he'd be a plus for Texas.
1: Yeah, I do, too. I mean, also, we have to kind of balance what – so last year was – felt like an aberration for most OU offenses with Lincoln Riley. And actually it was because I think he had five – what, five, though, or more as an OC. But to where you're having these huge chunk plays – and the word was out a little bit, at least on how to to keep them underneath and make them be patient. And we've seen that with Kansas City at, at the NFL level. We're going to get to that. So, you know, Marvin Mims also didn't have the the sophomore year that he did his freshman year. Yeah, that's
0: true. You know, OU took a huge step down. They introduced some more explosiveness, and they put in Caleb Williams, but. Caleb Williams proved to be sort of a feast or famine passer, uh, but obviously a very effective runner, but that's not going to help old uh, Mario's cause in, in jacking up his stats. So yeah, there used to be some really easy yardage available to receivers in the OU offense, and you just didn't have it available last year. So that all said, Texas is just looking for viable dudes who can catch a football and run a route yeah. to compliment Xavier Worthy.
1: That's it. So we've talked about offensive line, also receiver. Those are spots you have to hit in the portal. Anyone else you've seen? I mean, it feels like guys are flying in left and right every day. So we probably so guys are
0: gonna guys are gonna fly in left or right every day, and particularly because you had the culmination of the season. Uh, but also, you gotta. I understand people want immediate portal frenzy from Texas and the staff. You got to realize that there's going to be really good guys available after the spring as well. Yep. And they're going to see where they fit in there. There's going to be some reshuffling of deck chairs, and there's going to be guys who look at their career, particularly at the lower level schools who say, I do want to do that one year at the high level FBS school to show NFL scouts that I'm not just a flash in the pan here at North Dakota state, right? Whatever the case may be. So I'd urge Texas fans be patient but that is the the problem with the portal it's kind of like the old monty hall thing do you want what's on the stage or do you want the thing that's behind door number two right and sometimes you don't want to settle with the portal you want to keep your powder dry and i think if you have a criticism of texas last year using the portal is maybe they settled on some guys rather than keeping their powder dry
1: maybe but also I'm not. You could also flip that around and say a bird in a hand. And if you actually evaluate that person well, and the the good ones are only going to last for so long, the bad proteins will last in the store for for a while.
0: No question. And so let's be clear, Drew Sanders, you take him. Yes. Whenever he comes in the portal tomorrow, and if Texas, if Texas doesn't get him, that's disappointing. If they do get him, we should celebrate. Cause that guy's gonna start
1: agreed um all right uh, we got some portal stuff we got the NFL this weekend man um, the NFL has you know after the salary cap was it was in implemented in like 93 94 and like most legislation felt really felt three years after because there was grandfather stuff in there and and but it was like 96 97 when you can kind of feel that a little bit and for me, like my interest really dipped and that could have been also life. I'm in college then and other stuff And college. Football was always going to be so big, but the last five years, I've just, I have not liked it probably or loved it as much as college football, but damn, it's gotten a lot closer. It's I'm excited about this weekend.
0: I'm excited as well. We've got some great matchups. We're going to go through them all and uh, some of them are going to bring back some old memories for you and me. Growing up in Texas, I'm, I'm more of a Cowboys fan than you are. You're a you're a Bears guy, is that right?
1: No, actually, I'm a Niners guy. '86, you know. I mean, so I had Chicago, everything in my life, and I was, but I'm six, you know, I'm well eight years old, and the Bears win it, and I was heartbroken. I've never been as sports heartbroken as I was when Mike McCaskey essentially gave away the whole team. So we've got Wilbur Marshall. We've got um, Willie Galt. We've got guys that are just flying out, and that was going to be a dynasty. And so, you know, Joe Montana being a Notre Dame guy in my house was a big deal. And I was, you know, the first year I started liking the Niners was the Jim Burt blowout in, in New York where Burt knocks out Joe Montana. And I'm thinking, man, I just joined the same thing here. I mean, I'm eight years old, so I had no idea. So I would say I'm a Niner fan, man.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's interesting. I'd, I'd forgotten that. And, man, the Giants were tough on old Joe Montana.
1: Oof. Yeah, no, Be- I mean, Belichick Bell- Adam. him. The yeah. Leonard
0: Marshall. Yep. The Leonard Marshall hit that broke his back. Do you yeah. remember
1: that? Uh, our Niners are going for three in a row, and they're driving. Yeah. And I believe it would have been Steve Wallace, who was the left tackle, and he gets beat. And, yeah, Marshall hits him from behind, and that was it. I mean, Niners still should have won that game. There's a Roger Craig fumble which w- uh, essentially gave the Giants enough time to, uh, to get Matt Barr get lined Matt up for a field Barr. goal.
0: Hey, tell you what, how about we go through these matchups just by the day, and then maybe we'll save Dallas-San Francisco for the end. Because I think we're going to have some thoughts on that. Yep. All right, so Saturday, January 15th, we start off with the Las Vegas Raiders. At Cincinnati, uh, the Raiders got into the playoffs in miraculous fashion, upsetting the San Diego Chargers. A lot of people upset about that because they wanted to see Justin Herbert against Joe Burrow. I was one of those people. But, uh, boy, Brandon Staley had other ideas, the head coach of the Chargers, and the Raiders get in. Uh, Good for them. They showed a lot of resilience after the John Gruden fiasco. They're at Cincinnati. I love the Cincinnati team. I love the Cincinnati offense because I love Joe Burrow. I love his receivers. I love T. Higgins. I love Jamar Chase. Uh, I like Tyler Boyd, the number three guy people forget about. Yep. Joe Mixon, I despise, but I have to admit he's talented.
1: He's very talented. No, their offense is great, except for their offensive line. They've given up 52 sacks, I believe. There's yep. never been a team that's given up that many sacks that has gone on to play in the Super Bowl. Now there's also never. I don't think, I don't think they will. I, I don't either. And they're fun. Now you know you've got Pittsburgh to some degree, San Francisco, but certainly Pittsburgh. You look at, and they're in the playoffs, and you just shake your head. It's not a playoff team. They happen to get in. You know, it would have been much better if the Chargers and Raiders would have tied because we would have gotten both them in. Look, Derek Carr is a much better quarterback than people think. You also look at their sacks, and their total sack number is really low in the NFL, but Mm -hmm. they also don't blitz at all. In fact, they're, they're the least blitzing team in the NFL. So they're able to actually get pressure, and their pressure rate is seventh in the NFL, even though their sack rate is in the upper 20s. I don't have any of this in front of me, and if I did, then I would need my glasses. So I'm going off memory, but trust me on that.
0: Wow, that, that is awesome info. I didn't know any of that. So maybe I thought the Bengals would win comfortably, not only win, but cover. Now I'm starting to think, I still think they might, I still think they win, but I'm wondering if the Raiders keep it within, you know, three or four points.
1: I think they do. I think this is a really tight game. It won't surprise me at all if the Raiders win. The other thing too is that Derek Carr, this is kind of funny how we do this on the outside. Derek Carr is a uh, super nice guy, and sometimes you can can confuse that, and I think it was the early relationship with Gruden and the way Gruden treats quarterbacks that I just always wondered about his mentality, his toughness, and really kind of how he was built inside and upstairs. And Derek Carr is one of the better quarterbacks in the league and really has been for the last couple years. If you really watch him, there's more stuff around him that's been a problem. Once rugs went out, then they had all types of issues. But Derek Carr is legit.
0: He is legit. I, I think what didn't serve him well was hard knocks.
1: Because he comes off he as not. a big goofball. He does. He he comes off as and we and look, I mean, you know, maybe some of it is the Ned Flanders kind of Christian element. But yeah, he just comes off as kind of a goofball a little bit. And it, I think we took that and ran with it way too much.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. If, if you watch the Raiders and I, I do watch them, cause they're obviously going to be on TV here. Um, he gets the ball out very quickly and he is, he is a great pure passer. He just is. Yeah. He's got some other deficiencies in other areas, but as a pure passer of the football, he's impressive, man. He he, he is a good quarterback in that respect. Uh Nah, ultimately, I think the Bengals win this. You, you want to move on or anything more to say on the matchup?
1: No, I mean, I, I do love the Bengals. It's just usually an offensive line that is that bad and you're getting that much pressure. You don't make a long enough run. Could they win a game or two? Yeah, and they're just fun kind of looking forward with their team because you're right. Uh, you know, a lot of us thought they should have taken an offensive lineman. They took chase. They made the right call. They're going to invest heavily in the offensive line this year.
0: Yeah, a lot of people said they, they should have taken Panay Sewell. Um, jury's still out on Sewell, how he pans, but, man, Chase is a freaking stud. He's the hands-down rookie of the year. There, to me, there's people still arguing for Mac Jones, and I think that's nonsensical. Uh, Ch- Chase is one of the best five receivers in the league. Agreed. All right, next. New England at Buffalo.
1: Round three. I love this
0: game on many levels. High expected during this game will be 9 degrees with a low of 1 degree because it's a 5.15 p.m. kickoff. It's going to be dark and around 0 degrees by the time this game's over.
1: Yeah, it's supposed to be freezing. And when they say freezing up there, I realized this when I moved up there. I know you've spent a little time. Like when they say freezing, it's not the freezing you and I grew up with in Austin. When someone said freezing, they could mean like 39 degrees when we are growing up, right? No doubt. I mean, we obviously know freezing's thirty-two. We're talking about j- just uh, just culture and how they and how, how they use the term up up there. Freezing is never thirty-two. Usually, freezing is in the teens or or zero.
0: Well, and what's what's crazy is for those of you who've ever been to like high desert mountain, you know, you go to you go to Colorado. Sometimes it's 31 degrees and the sun's out. And if you're out in the sun, there's girls skiing in bikini tops.
1: Yeah. Right.
0: right. Yeah. This kind of cold, first of all, there's a wind. Secondly, they have a lake effect. Yep. of of where they are they've got humidity in there so it's it's cool cold air it's a it is a miserable nine degrees (laughs) it really (laughs) is not that there's any kind of warm nine degrees but this is a particularly (laughs) miserable nine degrees
1: you totally hit the nail on the head yeah i've been to buffalo a couple times and i'm not planning any trips after nice people but uh, it's just it's one of those spots you realize why people moved away
0: there's no doubt. So, hey, New England actually built for this sort of game, this sort of weather. They have a great running game. Uh, the defense is physical. I, I don't think they're they're full of incredible players per se. But the, the secondary is good. Uh, it seems like they're well, well built for this sort of thing. And, of course, Belichick's a masterful coach. I think Buffalo's the better team, and I think Josh Allen – has the ability to take over games, particularly in bad weather football, because he can, he's a very effective runner. Uh, he's gotten much more accurate. He's a good leader. Um, yeah. I, I like Buffalo to win this game. I think home field's going to help a lot, but yeah, I mean, I would, i be shocked at all if new England had a phenomenal game plan and, and kept it, kept it close. Uh, not at all. So I'd be very leery about betting Buffalo, particularly with a line.
1: Yeah. I'm with you, and you know, Mac Jones does feel like he's regressed a little bit, and so even with Tredavious White out, that secondary, those are, those are the two best safeties. I think Buffalo's a better team. This actually reminds me of Georgia, Alabama, where I'm looking at two goats, and I know what they can do in certain games with certain game plans, and but I think the other team is better.
0: Yeah, you know, <clears throat> to jog your memory, I don't know if you you caught this, but the Bills lost at home to the Patriots in early December in a windy and cold game where Mac Jones threw the ball
1: three times. Oh, no, I remember it. In fact, if, if I remember any game from this year, including Raiders Chargers, it'll probably be that game.
0: Yeah. And then so then the rematch in Foxborough, Bills beat their ass uh, and really had an amazing game plan for Mac Jones because he, he was forced to throw the ball he made some big, big mistakes and really showed some of the limitations of not only his arm, but the, the, the ability level of the Patriots receivers. So I expect the Bills to have a similar game plan. I expect Josh Allen to be enough. I don't think it's going to be pretty, though, but I think it's going to be kind of a fun, wild game just because of the elements.
1: Totally agree. No, I'm excited about that one. It is round three. And in terms of defensive efficiency, Patriots have the best defense. In the NFL. So they've been able to run the football a lot. They're obviously going to try and do that. And we'll see what the conditions do. But I wouldn't touch that game with money.
0: Okay. So that's our, that's our Saturday openers. We, we expect Vegas Cincinnati to probably be a fun shootout. New England Buffalo is going to be an old school weather matchup. That'll be cool too. We go to Sunday. We got Philly at Tampa Bay. If you had a lot on this, I'd love to hear it. Tampa Bay is the better team. Philly's not good. And I know they strung together a bunch of wins at the end of the year to, to earn a playoff spot. They did it playing a lot of bad teams yep. and Tampa Bay is a better football team. Yeah. Jay- uh, they're, and, they're, and they're going to Tampa.
1: Agreed. Jalen hurts has been better than I thought he would be, but there's still look, that's really been about their run game. Their defensive lines really damn good. So at times the interior for Tampa Bay, Jensen and those guys can, can, if they get the wrong matchup can be handled. But Tampa Bay's getting enough people back. My biggest question with Tampa Bay is: after this game, down the road, with no vertical threat, if the defense gets too compressed against them, but they win this, wait, wait.
0: they're going to be absent: Chris Godwin, Leonard Fournette, and Antonio Brown, which you know he left in fairly spectacular fashion, probably the fashion we would have predicted. Right, rips off his his jersey and his pads and throws it to the stands. Um, amazing.
1: Yeah, I think Fournette may be back quickly or soon.
0: OK, well, th- that's helpful for them when they want to play ball control. But um, yeah, uh, Tom Brady should be enough.
1: You should be. All right. What do we got next?
0: We've got San Francisco at Dallas. We're going to kick that back to the end. But just know that they're the middle game, sort of the feature game on the Sunday lineup. Uh, I think that's going to that be a lot of fun. We, we close out with Pittsburgh at Kansas City. Uh, ben Roethlisberger. Is very difficult to watch play quarterback. He is done. He's shot. It's hard to watch Pittsburgh play football. P- props to TJ Watt for being the most dominant pass rusher in the league. You know, they, he somehow, in combination with some of Mike Tomlin's, you know, making uh, something, fashioning something out of like saliva, rubber bands, and cardboard, he's managed to get them in the playoffs. But they're a bad football team. And they're going to Kansas City, who's clicking pretty well. I expect Kansas City to blow them out.
1: Yeah, Kansas City had that one loss. Otherwise, they'd be like on a 10-11 game win streak. They've been playing great football. Their defense has turned it up and turned it around like they did in their Super Bowl winning year. And especially those guys up front, Jones and Clark, they're tough to deal with. they got some pretty good linebackers. They've made some adjustments. And they're still second in offensive efficiency. They've cut down on the turnovers, which is what was killing them. The first half of the year, uh, Pittsburgh is the least of the playoff-looking teams in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, interesting. Both Pennsylvania teams don't seem to be quite up to muster, right? Philly yeah. and Pittsburgh. Yeah, the, Eagle, uh, the
1: Eagles would be right there. The Chiefs are,
0: oh, it's minus 12 and a half.
1: Man, that's, that's a ton.
0: And when they played in week 16, Chiefs beat them 36 to 10 without Travis Kelsey.
1: Yeah. It, it's a bad oh. matchup. I th- th- that'll obviously be the one I'll be surprised the most if if they lose.
0: Okay, here's a here's a weird one that bleeds into Monday. This is is this new? I I don't know. If, have we ever done this before in the playoffs?
1: Um, I'm trying to think. if We did it last year or not?
0: Okay. Well, in any event, Monday you got playoff football, so it's going to be Monday evening. Um, it's going to be what seven fifteen Central Standard Time. 515 for me, Arizona at the Rams, it's Rams minus four and a half. I'm going to tell you now, I think I might take Arizona.
1: I I, I can definitely see that. I mean, I think it's a toss up. And if the Rams are getting points there, you said the Rams minus four and a half, right?
0: Rams minus four and a half. They're acting like they have a,
1: I I would probably take Arizona now. Hopkins, I believe will still be out. But they've got enough receivers around there. The problem, though, is that they their offensive rhythm, we talk about it with the Cowboys, just hadn't been the same in the second half of the year. They started out 7-0. And they still went 2-1 with Colt McCoy as a backup. But when Kyler came back, like it just felt different. Now, they were able to obviously beat Dallas, which was a huge win for them, I think, with their confidence. I still have questions about Kingsbury and Kyler. But I I, I feel like... I mean, I, it, with the line, I would take them.
0: Yeah, that's how I feel. Uh, yeah, to your point, the Cardinals lost four of their last five. You don't really like that going into the playoffs, but playoff football is a reset, and the Rams have not looked amazing over the last half of the year. So, eh, you know, I I like this game. I think it's gonna. I think both teams are gonna put points up on each other. And if look, bottom line, if the Rams can keep Kyler in the pocket, they're gonna probably win. If they can't. And Kyler, you know, when Kyler feels good and he's healthy and he runs opportunistically, he's really a devastating player in the league. He really is.
1: Yeah, he showed that against the Cowboys. I mean, they kind of won that game and melted down the clock with him just picking up picking up first downs with his legs.
0: Yep. All right, well, let's let's do a quick rewind. On Sunday, the middle matchup, to me, the feature matchup, is San Francisco at Dallas. In Arlington, I think that's going to be – a really fun game. It's gonna. It's evocative of some great playoff matchups of, of times past, when both San Francisco and Dallas in the '90s were the juggernauts of the NFL. Whoever won those games in the mid '90s was gonna win the Super Bowl, and yeah. so the Super Bowl was Easy. the NFC Championship game.
1: It really was. Um, in '92, the Cowboys really stunned the Niners, and we talked they had about. In Candlestick, and we all, we all felt like, any of us who were watching a lot of it, felt like the Cowboys were a year away, and that was too early, and that this was the time for the Niners, and they'd already moved on from Joe Montana, so it was Steve Young, and the Cowboys flat-out beat him. I remember watching that with one of my good friends who's a Cowboys fan and just saying, you know, we just got beat, and also being shocked at the time. Well, the Cowboys go on their two-year dominant run and 94 was that big game where just like the Niners in 90, the Cowboys were trying to do something no one's ever done, which is win three in a row. And they had the team to do it like the Niners did in 90. And um, that was great. I mean, 21 nothing. Eric Davis, Troy Aikman thought he was in man, cover two man, but he actually is dipping into zone. And I just remember getting that huge lead and thinking, just hold on. And the, Cow- and the, the Niners did. Barry Switzer helped out with a – really stupid timeout at the end of the first half which allowed Steve Young to hit Jerry Rice on a long bomb for a touchdown which really at the end of the day was kind of the separator
0: yeah the Cowboys stormed back and and made the game competitive they did
1: they were the better team in the second half man
0: yeah and I honestly this is Cowboys sour grapes but if Jimmy Johnson is the head coach I think the Cowboys win three in a row
1: I, I can see that. I mean, that was a hell of a Niners team. You know, Ricky Waters, William Floyd. You think about Bryant Young and just how good that defense was, which had Dion before he went to the Cowboys, uh, Merton Hanks. I mean, they, they were loaded all over the place. It was two loaded teams. It gets back to your point. Really, I mean, the 92 Niners win a lot of Super Bowls if they don't run into the Cowboys.
0: No question. Yeah, I mean, the the, the, the Super Bowl was a bygone conclusion based on the NFC championship game at that time. And also for those who don't know, between really the early eighties up until the mid to late nineties, the AFC was a laughingstock until yeah. the Broncos turned it around. Right. With Terrell Davis and and Shanahan. That was uh, it. I mean, how
1: they had a team that was easily the most dominant they had seen. They won four in a row that couldn't win a Super Bowl.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so here's a crazy thing that'll blow your mind. Um, Starting in 1982, when this upsurge San Francisco 49ers team behind Bill Walsh wins its first Super Bowl, right? Between 82 and 96. So basically, my formative years of watching football, right? Of how I sort of formed my understanding of the NFL and all right. that. Yeah. The winner of the Super Bowl was either the Niners or an NFC East team in all of those years except two.
1: That's crazy. Yeah, because it would have been the Cowboys, Giants, or Redskins.
0: And the only exceptions were the Raiders in 84 and the Bears in 80. I'm sorry, the, the Raiders in 83 and the Bears in 85.
1: Yeah. Unbelievable. So every
0: other year, it's Cowboys, Giants, Redskins, Niners. Cowboys, Giants, Redskins, Niners for 15 years. That's the NFL.
1: And by the way, the Eagles had some really good teams during that time, especially in the late 80s, early 90s.
0: They had great teams, and they were a huge pain in the ass, not only because they could beat you, but because they could physically harm your team, right? Yeah. Like, you could lose your quarterback.
1: Right. They, and, well, they had bounties on it. You could, you could lose your kicker.
0: <laughs> you could lose any of your players. And, yeah, it just shows how strong the NFC East was that the, the Eagles were not also-ran during that time period with a bunch of teams that went 10 and six and 11 and five. I mean, you would have standings in those periods where the, the team that finished last in the NFC East was 10 and six, right?
1: <laughs> no, nah, it, it was crazy.
0: crazy. Totally what? crazy football. So, yeah. all right, we got Cowboys Niners. I, I, I'm going to say this as a Cowboys fan, having watched the Niners out here, cause they're on all the time.
1: This is a tough matchup for Dallas. It's a tricky one. It depends who shows up because the Cowboys have looked like more of a playoff team throughout the year. They've also had an easier schedule. I mean, if you look at the teams they've faced that were not in the playoff, they dominated them. And the the point differential is in the 20s. If you look at the teams that have actually been pretty competitive or pretty good, they're six and five and there's a point differential in the threes. Um, so the other thing, too, is that the Cowboys, if you look at their numbers, they've actually been giving up a lot more on the ground the last six to seven weeks than maybe even meets the eye because they have such a flashy, sexy, play-driven defense. Um, yeah, I mean, you could see San Francisco certainly winning this. San Francisco has their flaws, too. If the Cowboys' offensive line can just hold up, not saying dominate, hold up and give Dak some time, they can't hold hold those three receivers. And I'm talking about Cedric Wilson, too. Yeah,
0: San Francisco can't cover him. No. They, they cannot cover him. No. Here's the problem, and I think Kyle Shanahan knows that. He might bulk ball control the shit out of Dallas. He's going to try. And they're going to run outside zone. Because if you think about Dallas's defense, what are they built for? They're built to rush the passer. Right. And to your point, they've been giving up the run. Elijah Mitchell has been running the ball well. Uh, really just a cog in the machine. The the, the thing is, is if Trent Williams and Alex Mack and those guys on the offensive line are getting their blocks and guys like Gregory Lawrence uh, Parsons, you know, they want a pass rush. They don't want to play outside zone. And if they can run the ball and then work some play action and work some creative stuff with Debo Samuel and of course, George Kittle, boy, it can get That's that's an offense that can really give that Dallas defense problems. So ultimately, I think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be important on third down or sort of predictable passing situations. And and Jimmy, if you watch him, he can give it and he can take it away, depending on his feeling that day.
1: No joke. Um, You kind of don't know what you're going to get quarter to quarter. And that's been one of the issues with Jimmy. So, yeah, San Francisco has more than a puncher's chance uh, in this thing. And. I mean, you can kind of break down if they do this on both sides, they're going to win. The Cowboys protect enough. You can also force Jimmy to to make some mistakes, and the Cowboys are really good at taking advantage of that. So uh, should be a good game, man. I think that and then also Buffalo on the other side um, and then obviously Rams-Cardinals. I mean, th- those are some fun early season matchups.
0: Hey, crazy thing on that Dallas Niners game, Kevin. It's a three-point spread. So, if you're giving the traditional three points to the home field, which Dallas has, you know, I think now it's, that's eroded in Vegas to like two and a half, but whatever. They're basically saying these are evenly matched teams.
1: Yeah. No, they are. You're right, because, I mean, the, the three tells you with the home field. And, and I can see that. I mean, I can see both these teams winning. It's cool that they're getting back together, but let's understand. So, for for people that weren't around then – the teams that Paul and I were talking about were much better than both these. And th- and at the end of the day, this is probably a better Dallas team than San Francisco team, at least to my eyes.
0: If if Dak is slinging it and those receivers are running, they're going to put enough points on the board that win. Dallas I and mean, San Francisco is not going to matter. Agreed. But you know, if they start a little slow and, and you get them some confidence on offense, San Francisco is going to be a problem. It's going to be a fun game to watch. I'm going to enjoy it. And uh I tell you, a home team... Whatever you root for, you're going to want to root for Gabe Winslow and his team. They are phenomenal at what they do. You can reach Gabe at 832-557-1095 or just go to mortgagesbygabe.com. Fill out an interest. He'll contact you. Gabe is really good at what he does. You know interest rates are going up right now. This might be an interesting opportunity to still lock in some amazing historically low rates before those rates continue to ascend. So whether you're buying a home or doing a cash out refi, talk to Gabe, very creative in how to structure that so you don't have to pay closing costs potentially, which is always nice. So I want you to follow up with Gabe, 832-557-1095. And then we can't forget Laura Baker. If you are gonna go out and buy that house in the Centex area, reach out to her at Keller Williams. She's a part of that Andy Allen team, uh, which is an elite group of realtors who are really good at both at representing buyers and sellers. You can reach her at 512. 7840505. Seven eight four zero five zero five. You know, I was just talking to her the other day, Kevin, and she thinks the crazy mad rush that happened last spring that started in Central Texas in yeah. April. Yeah, she thinks it's going to be in March this year. Okay. because people are, they don't want any part of this super hot market as a buyer. And so they're trying to get in. And she says it's already heating up in January, which wow. is typically a pretty slow time.
1: Yeah, that usually is. It shows you how hot the market is. It also shows you how good she is at kind of understanding it and projecting it. Both Gabe and Laura can save you money once you save some of that money. money do something with it. You can do it. Uh, do something with it. With David McClellan, fiduciary financial advisor. He's from Forum Financial. He's been a part of the family uh, virtually the whole time. Really sharp guy and really understands the market, understands different ways to build wealth. And there are different ways to do that. You want someone who really has a wide scope on that. He does. He's going to give you a free consultation to say you're part of the family. He's going to help you understand your financial freedom number and maybe some ways you can, uh, some, some things you can do to actually add to that and make that financial freedom a little bit faster. It's well worth your time to give them a call. 312-933-8823. 312-933-8823. Or you can email them. It's David McClellan at Forum Financial. It's McClellan at forumfin, F-I-N, dot com. All right. We'll talk to y'all next week. We appreciate everyone who's been supporting us and uh, we'll have a lot to talk about. We'll get to uh, some Texas football next week. Right, Paul? No question. We're going to have some portal
0: guys. Probably inked, and that'll be fun to talk about.
1: See ya.